It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day. Welcome into the Locked On Hawks postcast, your home for the best Atlanta Hawks talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere but here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me is Deshaun Tate. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150. If your bet wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And our Locked On Hawks post Podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Deshaun, tonight marked the return of John Collins to State Farm Arena for the first time since he was traded to the Jazz. And it was also the first time Quinn Snyder faced his old team since he left Utah. We'll talk about Quinn and company getting the best of things in the end. One, then we'll talk more about how we can get more of what we saw tonight in the and one as well. But first, we got T's and Tate's takes on the Hawks. 124-97 blowout of the Jazz. And Tate, you said this is maybe the most complete, balanced second half of a game you've seen from the Hawks all season. No doubt. No doubt. And I feel pretty strongly about that. I know that that might not be really saying much because um, there hasn't been a ton of games where we saw them, you know, down the stretch finish in the most impressive of ways that we would have liked to see. But I'm just being honest, it kind of seems like we're getting further and further away from that. Now, again, I know a lot of that kind of sounds like, uh oh, here he goes being overly optimistic again. But like you have to start somewhere. And I feel like in some cases from where, you know, we're at the beginning of the season where we're taking another loss to, you know, the Charlotte Hornets. And then there was the New York Knicks and all of that. You got to start somewhere. The good thing about when you're at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom that you can't go down any further, right? You can only go up. And I feel like not only from a defensive standpoint, which is I think what helped catapult them into getting the win on tonight, by the way, the win on the other night as well, but the defense is coming along, even if for not only anything but for the past two games, even if not only for 24 minutes of each of those games, which Probably the most important part is the last 24 minutes um, of the game. So, I mean, listen, I, I, I obviously, you know, we've seen that, you know, them step up um, in that regard. It was a, it was an emotional night, obviously, with John Collins coming back. I know we're going to get into some of that, but um, it was just balance. Like if you would have said, you know, we, we can. I'm not sure we could really have a conversation about who the player of the night was tonight. I mean, maybe. Yeah, sure. But it's not just a matter of looking at the stat sheet. Everybody pitched in. You know, there were, uh, what, five, six players, five, five players that scored in double figures, obviously one point away for uh, Clint Capella that, that didn't do it. But um, we thought that they might struggle with size and, and Colin Sexton might try and play spoiler because that's the way it was looking. There's more Atlanta ties to this. I know you said we'll talk about it in the next segment as well. And so um, good job by the Hawks just to finish the job because they're, they've been getting off to a little bit of a slow start. But there was times when they just wouldn't finish even when they got off on fast starts. I'd much rather them, if I had to make a choice, them to start slow and finish strong than to start fast and then finish bad. Yeah, especially if starting slow means you go out on a 12-0 run to start the game and never really look back. Mm -hmm. And slow start if you pick up the pace and you have five players in double 
figures and you almost had two players uh, with the double double. And so that's one of those things where, and actually, yeah. So you look at what uh, Jalen Johnson was able to do tonight. You look at what DeJounte Murray was able to do. And I'm sorry, you do have two players. You almost had three players in uh, with double doubles. So I think mm-hmm. that's important because yeah, if you, like you said, if you had to pick starting off slow, finishing strong versus the mm-hmm. alternative, you'll pick starting off slow, finishing strong every single time. And well for me, my takeaway was John Collins. I mean, we knew that this day was kind of circled mm-hmm. on the calendar because it would be his first time coming back on the court. And like you said, it was very emotional for him, very emotional for the fans. It was emotional for the media, the staff, yeah, the players, everybody. everybody. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy that, poured his heart and soul into this team for six seasons mm-hmm. it just at, it got to a point where it just wasn't a fit for what the hawks needed to complement trey and some of the other players they just needed something different at power forward and now they have that in jalen mm-hmm. johnson and and it was the right move but yeah you just saw so much love uh, john collins gave you know his usual kind of like the the dap ups and and what mm-hmm. he used to do mm-hmm. with handshakes and all that all of it was right there and he got a standing ovation at the beginning of the game he got the tribute video of course from the hawks but fans chanting his name throughout the entirety of the game which was important because Mm -hmm. he really did struggle in this game he had four turnovers in the first quarter alone and only as you see there five points and ten rebounds not quite a a mr double double type night for Mm -hmm. a guy who has been actually averaging and having a pretty solid uh, season a, a double double type season uh, for the Jazz so far, but I would imagine you come in averaging 14 points, almost nine rebounds. So right there at his his double double status, I would imagine that's what you wanted to do coming yep. back into your home. But ultimately speaking, it was a lot. It was a lot. I'm sure for him to just take it all in and kind of manage through a myriad of emotions because I'm sure as excited as he was and appreciative as he was. And even some of the beat reporters for the jazz said post game locker room, he was still emotional and still very humbled by the reception he had. But on the same token, you have to have mixed feelings Mm -hmm. because looking at the team that you once played for, you're looking at the guy who once played behind you, your understudy who's now absolutely balling out of control. For sure. For sure. (laughs) He's arguably, he may not be the MVP of the team, but he might be the MIP, the most important player on this team. So I'm sure that coming back this particular night was definitely a melancholy thing for him. And being that, and it didn't look like it tonight, but being that these teams are about equal as far as their records go and some of their play goes, ultimately, I believe this was one of those nights where, wow, it was it was kind of overwhelming for John Collins, but still it put a smile on everyone's face to see him back in State Farm Arena. And it did. It did. And it brought a smile on my face because obviously, you know, with us working in media as long as we have and being around John and being around that locker room, him kind of being like that class clown type and very relative to a lot of of us that, you know, had been around there for, for quite some time. And I mean, this is probably the most... I don't know, like jitters or butterflies or something. I don't want to speak for him, but that he's probably had since his very first NBA game, right? Yeah. Um, just because yeah. he had been here for so long and all the growth 
not even just within his game, but just from becoming, you know, a, a younger man to, you know, a more experienced NBA player, you know, in, in this league. And so it was good to see them kind of corral around him. Uh, kind of reminded me similar of the way it was when the Hawks got the two wins back to back against Orlando and against Miami, the way that they did DeJounte Murray when he hit game winners and everything. It yeah, reminded yeah. me of that. And it reminded me a little bit kind of like a family reunion almost. Yeah, it was good yeah. to see the smiles on their faces and everything like that yeah john collins you are officially still invited to the cookout when we come back we're going to dive a little bit more into this hawks jazz game in the end one This episode of our Locked on Hawks postcast is brought to you by Nissan. Now, are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. Take, for example, that 2024 Nissan Rogue, perfect for city drives and great escapes. And you can get that in Atlanta. You know, we have mountains not too far from us. So you're driving through the Metro, drive up 75 and you can be right there in the mountains. Or if you drive even up 85 or 985, you can be right there at Lake Lanier. Why not take your Rogue to get it done? Class exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone. It's Google Assistant. Google Maps and Google Play Store all built right into this really nice 12.3 inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. And it's the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. And of course, don't forget they've got the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder and the Nissan Armada, both seat up to eight. And with the Pathfinder, you get 284 horsepower and 6,000 pounds towing. With the Armada, it's the full size SUV that, SUV that brings you class luxury and style so take the nissan rogue the nissan pathfinder or the nissan armada and go find your next adventure how do you do it shop nissanusa.com that's nissanusa.com so tonight we saw the guy who replaced John Collins, JC. We went from JC to JJ, and JJ has just continued to ball out. Like I said, he may not be your MVP. That may be Trey as your MVP of this team for this season, but Jalen Johnson is, is arguably your most important player. He had a double-double by the four-minute mark in the third quarter. He had 18 points and 10 rebounds around that time, we think, because remember, uh, there were issues with getting box scores for about three quarters of this game tonight, but that's where it seemed like he was. And then finally the box scores kind of caught up to the action and Jalen finishes with 22 points uh, and 13 rebounds. So good look for him, especially from the field four of nine from the field. But when you look at that, it's interesting because he really didn't get to move into play the four for a little while. And then finally, I guess once the offense was set for Quinn Snyder, he moves him to the five and then he does, Jalen Johnson type of things. I mean, Deshaun, I'm always impressed about this and always feel like it's so important that the Hawks have a big that they can lean into who can actually distribute the ball and have some pretty, pretty good court vision for a big. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, think about kind of where we're going as far as a society, a new generation, a new era yes. of basketball. It's always evolving and all the other stuff. Um, but that's literally what's happening. You know, we 
it, it was crazy to us at one point in time to think of someone like, you know, a Magic Johnson being 6'9 with the vision in the past. And by no means am I making a comparison to the two, but just walk with me for a second. That was crazy for us to see, right? Yeah. Obviously, LeBron doing some similar things at that build and everything else, but kind of like with a guard type of mindset. We saw Scottie Pippen as like a pop, one of the first you know, point forwards, if you will. Yes. Nikola Jokic last year, you know, was kind of like Indeed. the first ever, you know, point center that we've seen. This kind of is similar to that as we're kind of getting used to seeing bigger guys handling the ball with very good vision. Um, you know, obviously, you know, just being able to get up and down the floor, get out in transition, starting the break, not just running the break, which is yeah. at one point in time, we used to see that Biggs had an issue just with filling the lanes in the on the wing and different things like that. Now we're talking about them actually you know uh organizing offenses and things like that so i think it's just kind of going to show that the atlanta hawks don't mind a little bit of change and kind of getting used to some different times and then obviously on the defensive end doing really well from that standpoint too you know definitely having clint but he's been in and out from time to time not having on i mean you're looking at this season coming into the game where you have a Jalen Johnson who's, you know, now eclipsed himself into being in the top 20 um, among and rankings amongst those in the NBA in terms of rebounds. He comes into the game with 16 double doubles, seven yes. of them in the last 12 games, all of these different things for a good reason in a very small window of time. He hasn't spent a whole lot of ton of time in the NBA alone, let alone, you know, being able to get some time on the floor. That's yeah. not even including his time in the G League. So I think this is kind of where you got to tip your cap and not only give him credit because he's the one putting the ball in the basket, but also to the coaching staff who has belief and trust in him. Yeah, yeah. And in addition to that, talking about the court vision and just seeing the lanes, the passing lanes, six assists on the night and a plus 33 when he's on the court that tells you how important he is and how critical he is to what the Hawks were able to do. And he was really a part of the reason that the Hawks were also able to, because he gives such great two way play. He was mm -hmm. part of the reason that the Hawks were able to keep John Collins mm -hmm. and uh, Lowry Markinen and uh, we'll call him just THT Taylor mm -hmm. <laughs> in check because of that yeah. commitment to two way play. So you really like what you're able to, to get out of him. And like you said, he really is the prototype of where bigs are going in this league. And it's nice to see that the Hawks actually have a good viable example of that. And of course, also that's what we were starting to see out of Onyeka Okongu before he went down with injury, mm -hmm. just the ability to stretch his game beyond mm -hmm. just a dunk or beyond just being a, a defender at the rim, but really being able to go out to the perimeter and bring a little bit of health defense. So trying to evolve his game, I'll be interested to see if we can also see that piece of his game, should he return this season. But uh, if he doesn't return the season, kind of see if that's something he'll work on in the off season to bring back next season. I wanted to throw one more thing in there about um, Jalen Johnson, but not before I just, I, I couldn't help myself, but to mention, you mentioned in uh, Taylor, uh, 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 Horton Tucker, he's he might have the worst looking body in the NBA. I, I, I'd probably have to say so myself. I don't know. It's just the, right. the skinny legs with the doughy body. I don't know. It just looks weird to me. But outside okay, of that, I, I, had to, I had to add that part in. Um, no, I'm not, glad you said that, though, because that's I was actually referring <laughs> to Taylor Hendricks. But in my mind, I was thinking about uh, the other Horton Taylor Tucker. Yeah, because I was like that name alone, like having to say that 
15 times in a row if you're the play by play guy, which our boss is actually play by play for the Utah Jazz. Uh, so <laughs> having to say that all over and over again. Between Horton Tucker and Kyle Lowry, those might be the two worst body. But I mean, who, who am I? I'm just almost 40 years old, 150 pounds, all bones. But listen, um, realistically speaking here, when you start talking about guys like Jalen Johnson, I start giving him a little bit more extra credit because he's not only being relied upon, you know, uh, his contribution so much on the offensive end. We still looking on the defensive end, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, they're going up against all these bigs from Utah. Utah mm -hmm. is the number three ranked team in terms of rebounding in the NBA. Yeah. Um, got out rebounded by the Atlanta Hawks tonight, 55 to 43. That was pretty significant. Then you add in the fact that you got your Lori Markinen and your John Collins, Hendricks. You talked about that Walker Kessler. None of those guys scored over 11 points on tonight. And I think that that just goes kind of goes to a little bit more credit for Jalen. Obviously for uh, Bruno, too. I don't definitely don't want to leave my boy Bruno out, uh, who, who, who who went 100% from the field tonight, but also for Clint. But Jalen Johnson helped spearhead a lot of that. And speaking of that, yes, Utah is one of the best teams also in the league at getting to the free throw line. But mm -hmm. it was 20 minutes into the game, mm -hmm. 20 real-time minutes before the Hawks actually committed a foul that the Jazz were able to take advantage of. And then they were only able to hit 84% from the charity stripe. So mm -hmm. I think that's also important because that means a team that willfully goads defenses into giving them free points, the Hawks didn't bite into that. The Hawks actually played a pretty clean game from the personal foul perspective. And mm -hmm. when you look at that from the bigs perspective, because you and I are always looking at the box score, trying to see, okay, did the Hawks bigs actually play a pretty clean game? And yeah, Sadiq Bay didn't have any personal fouls. Jalen Johnson only had three. Clint Capella only had three. And speaking of Bruno Fernando, he only had two. So and, and DeAndre Hunter as well. And one more thing I want to say, but I'll hold that thought for a second because I want to get to Willie's point. But Willie says Hawks proved that they can be more consistent if they continue to play defense like this and share the basketball on offense. I want to call that one out because that's a great point, Willie, when you talk about sharing the ball on offense. They were in the game with 27 assists. So that mm -hmm. definitely tells me two things. Number one, like you said, they're sharing the ball because the Hawks are having enough vision to say hey we've got 24 seconds so we don't have to force a shot we don't have to force the first shot we don't have to take the first shot all we have to do is make sure that if we have a good shot but our our teammate has the next best shot give it to him Send that's right him and let him make that shot that's what that ultimately means so thanks for for calling that out willie and one more thing you know this is one of those kind of lightning rod questions that's out there but it's out there in the east ethos so we would be remiss if we didn't at least touch upon it because now we're two games into the stretch where the hawks will have to go without trey young we know that we're looking at about a four-week stretch before he's even evaluated to return with 23 games left in the season so deshaun whether we like it or not the mm -hmm. buzz has begun about how dejounte murray runs point versus trey the buzz is if there's any evaluation for the possible decision for the Hawks to have to make on which one stays and which one goes. So laying that foundation mm -hmm. with what you've seen these last few games and even other times when DJ's had to run point, what you've seen from him versus what you've seen from Trey, does that show you that the Hawks could maybe or need to maybe consider building to complement DJ? I don't say around him but to compliment him because there are some pieces they already have in place, especially 
because a now three-time All-Star Trey, who is averaging 27 points and 11 assists, may be at the apex of his value to put him out on the trade market and then give you the opportunity to get the help you so desperately need in the front court. This is a this it's is a tight one, Tanisha. It it, it 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 is. It really is. Um, can you do me this one solid favor? Can you give me some time to think about it? We get to it on the other side. Can we do that? Is that a possibility? <laughs> it's just that. It's just that much of, of just nerve wracking for me. Understood, and and I understand because it's not one where we've ever been a show to say Trey Trey. Like we've yeah. never been that show because we know that it's not that simple. If you trade him, then what? But I think what this question begs is this. You try to trade DeJounte Murray. He arguably was the most valuable piece, quote unquote, that you were willing to give up because maybe the Hawks had decided, hey, Trey's not quite there on the trade market. Uh, we're not trading Jalen Johnson. We're not trading Onyeka Okongu. So that leaves you then with DeJounte Murray. Mm. Well, a two-team trade didn't work at the trade deadline. A three-team trade didn't work at the trade deadline. And then Quinn Snyder kind of advocated to, hey, let's see if we can keep DeJounte Murray because I think he wanted to see if maybe for another 27, 30-game stretch, they could possibly see these guys finally just figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. Finally mm -hmm. figure out how to play the same position, <laughs> but on the same token, play it differently with DeJounte in at shooting guard. Well, fast forward, nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw Trey Young arguably being out for the rest of the regular season, but here mm -hmm. we are. So mm -hmm. now you're seeing DeJounte in his natural position, and it begs the question, well, if you want to keep on Yucca, which you probably need to because you don't have anything else going on in the front court, you're probably going to move on from Clint Capella at the end of the season. Okay. So then the question becomes, and you know you're not trading Jalen Johnson or Sadiq Bey, right? So you got Sadiq, you got Jalen. DeAndre Hunter seems very comfortable in his position coming off the bench. So you're kind of in that 3-4 space or kind of locked and loaded and maybe you just need to either Onyeka is going to move into the 5 or you're going to get somebody for the 5, but the 5 is still questionable, right? So then that begs the question of this. If the 3-4 is solidified and the 5 is where you probably have your biggest need potentially, then what do you do at the 1-2? Is there one that you would give up at the 1-2? who could potentially get you the five that you need and get you the one you need to replace or the two you need to replace, depending on who you go with. That's the only reason that I said, I wouldn't say a player like you're building around DeJounte the way you're building up around Trey, because Trey sure. is a franchise type player, right? Sure. He's drafted as the franchise player and that's, that's who he is. But there's, there's a case to be made about a guy like a DeJounte Murray who you could still put complimentary pieces around, put him back in his natural position, and you could actually build a contender. So that's kind of the question. Is this a situation where Landry Fields and company have to make a serious evaluation and assessment about not just what they're going to do with the front court, which has been most of the talk? Now, what are you looking at on that back court? But I defer to my co-host as he requested, and we'll talk about it on the other side in what's next. This episode of our Locked On Hawks postcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now think about this. We're in, we're two months into 
the new year, right? And we're probably also two months away from those resolutions or goals that some people have made. And you might be a little bit discouraged because maybe you've not gotten off to a good start with those resolutions. That's okay. There's still plenty of time to get back on track and better help is the opportunity for you to get there or think about it. Maybe you have something that you've been battling with. You need to get off your chest and you just need someone to kind of help you to navigate those waters. BetterHelp can do that for you. Therapy can be different for everyone. So most of us have bigger problems than maybe our favorite sports teams. I mean, hey, talk about the Hawks. Backcourt kind of have maybe a little bit of an embarrassment of riches because of a Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and an up and coming Kobe Bufkin. But you might have some bigger challenges that you want to talk about and you need someone to help you to get through it and you need it to be done in a way that works for you that's convenient. BetterHelp is online. Traveling around Atlanta is not the answer and you don't have to do it if you want to use BetterHelp to help you to get on track. So visit betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA and you can get 10% off your first month. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not start with BetterHelp? That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. It's only February 27th. So you got more than enough time to reset for 2024 with better help. All right, Deshaun, I bought you and our audience some time yeah. on this question. Yeah. So I'll reset it really quick. And if you guys want to chime in, which oh, they're, 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 like they're, this, they've been chiming. Well, you know what? I'm not going to even reset. I'm going to give those guys an opportunity to come right on in and say what it is that they want to say. That way we make sure we get enough time for as many of our audience members as possible on the question. And Timmy says, I hate to say it, time to trade, trade. And you know what, Timmy? That's It's funny you say it that way because a lot of people who have a lot of respect for Trey's game and what he's been able to do since he's been here and have an appreciation for him overall, it's a tough decision. I mean, it would be a very, very tough call, but you say too that it is time to trade Trey. So understandable. Jeremiah Gibbons, you say Trey sells merch and DJ doesn't. Pretty simple. I'm glad that Jeremiah said it that way, Deshaun, because that's the other question. Is it really about winning? Right. Or is it about marketability? Yeah. There it yeah. is. There it is. Yeah. Because he does still put butts in seats. So he makes a valid point. And that's another question that a Tony Wrestler and a Landry Fields have to de decide. Like, what is the end game? Yeah, the end game seems to be winning games. But then Landry Fields also said, we're not solely focused on resulting. So could butts and seats and getting people to come down to state farm arena be still a critical component of the decision-making process robert says if kobe plays like a first round pick then you have to evaluate and i mean that's good it's a super small sample size he's coming up very very slowly they allowed him to be who he could and wanted to be and who they wanted him to be in the g league but the question becomes are you going to see enough in 23 games to feel like he could be a complimentary piece. I don't know that he could be, and nobody's saying by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> that he would be a replacement, a one-to-one -one replacement for Trey, but could you put him possibly at shooting guard and could he be a complimentary piece in some way, shape or form, or even a strong backup at the point? Willie Carswell says, I'm not trading Trey. Get rid of DJ, surround Trey with shooters and defense. You know, Willie, you make an excellent point, but the question becomes, if you then surround Trey 
with shooters and defense. He's got, I mean, you're, you're basically saying who, uh, my question to you would be this, how would you get, what would be the package that you would then put together? Because no packages work so far. No mm-hmm. package that the Hawks have brought to the table with DeJounte included in it and a couple other players has worked. I think that's where the biggest challenge is. And that's kind of why you have to ask the question because Trey is your most, Trey's your most valuable asset. No it's doubt. A tough one. It's a tough no one. No doubt. I'll, 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 ju- I'll just say this. I'll try and make it as quick as possible, even though you know that's impossible. Um, that's obviously your your most valuable asset right so it's really going to determine what you get back with that what kind of contribution they bring we always compare trey and luca to say oh well we always kind of felt like you know to a degree most people a lot of people were saying that the hawks won that trade because of what they were able to get out of, because what they were going to get out of Cam Reddish, but you didn't get what you thought you were going to get out of Cam Reddish. So it started making it look different. So yeah. depending on what it is that they can get in return from for, for, for a trade with Trey and how they contribute and how they fit and how long are we giving them until we are able to see the kind of results that to our liking that we think we should be seeing by whatever date this is, that is what will make are we do we trust the front office enough to make the right decision on getting the right pieces to put around a DeJounte Murray even when you start talking about you know drafting different things like that you know do we with with picks being thrown in on the trade do we have the do we do we trust the brains that are making the decisions and the eye for talent and things like that that they're gonna go and draft the right pieces to put around so I think it's just more than just this guy versus that guy plus I think there's another element to this or layer to the onion that we never really talk about and that's the fact that you can't really rely on one valuable piece of all of this when it comes to adding another player to the team when it comes to front uh to to free agency because nobody ever comes here i think that is a a different telling part of it um i always encourage people to remember what it was like before you had trey young on this team as well because i think that that also matters but we cannot ignore how much better the vibe and the feel and the energy and free flowing and everything else that we feel when trey is not playing and when Dejounte is on the floor perfect example on tonight nobody's saying that you know Dejounte's vision and passing ability is like Trey's but I do think that it's undervalued 11 assists on tonight passing the ball is passing the ball at the end of the day so I'll I'll, I'll lay on my plane on on this point right here it's unfortunate that it appears that we would never be able to be able to maximize and get the most out of both of these guys on the floor on the same team at the same time it kind of reminds me of why i did not think that it was smart for the charlotte hornets who had the number two pick in the draft to pick up a guy like a uh scoot henderson because you have Lamelo ball there and i just thought that it was going to balance itself out and be a wash so you had to go get the brandon miller i'm i never thought that they could coexist and get the best like squeeze the most juice from the fruit that's the concern that i think that we have here not that they can't play good together not that they can't you know coexist and play well but can you get the best the very best out of both of those guys at the same time i feel like the consensus would agree that you probably cannot yeah, that's the understatement of the seat. That's the understatement of the year. And I agree <laughs> with you on that. I think maybe the bigger question is whether you 
trade DeJounte Murray or whether you move on for from Trey Young. The question in either scenario is what does the front office do in either situation that will ultimately make this team contenders and help us to avoid having another conversation, another season about playing around. The, the saga, the questions, and the debate continues. We appreciate you for stopping by the Locked On Hawks postcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And for more on the Hawks, check out Locked On Hawks with our guy, Brad Rowland. We'll see you next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.